Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is the Sikkim Podcast, presented by your friend in the car business, Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat in Waco, online at alansamuelsdcj.com. The Sikkim Podcast is a production of Baylor Athletics. Now, here are your hosts, Brooke Bednars and the voice of the Bears, John Morris. Hi, everybody, and welcome into this week's Sikkim Podcast. We're glad you're with us. The Sikkim Podcast production of Baylor Athletics. Hey, I want to remind you to uh, make sure you subscribe to the Sikkim Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Catch us each week for a new Sikkim Podcast. John Morris alongside Brooke Bednars from Baylor Vision, and pleased to be joined this week by Baylor football assistant coach Sean Bell. Sean's been around for a while, quarterback here at Baylor, grew up up in Central Texas and uh, now on the coaching staff going into his third year coaching here at Baylor. And Sean, welcome to you. We appreciate you being on our podcast thank this you, week. Thank you, John. Glad to be here. Good to see you. You look good wearing that headset. It's kind of natural <laughs> for you. So yeah, uh, you, You've done this before. You have, <laughs> you have, absolutely. Well, glad you're with us. Uh, let's start uh, maybe not from the very beginning, but back and near the beginning. You grew up here in Central Texas, China Spring High School, played for your dad at China Spring. Uh, what was that like growing up here and then from there ending up here at Baylor as a quarterback? Well, it was a special opportunity for me, you know, growing up. Uh, I moved around quite a bit as a elementary school kid, but then when I hit middle school, I, I came as a seventh grader to China Spring and then finished out the rest of my career there. And, you know, I, I always knew of Baylor and about Baylor, but really when I moved to China Spring, it really kind of grounded me in the fact that I wanted to go to Baylor. I got a chance at that time to meet Kevin Still, who was actually living in China Spring and ran into him many, many times. And, and he, you know, everything he was saying, everything I saw at this, at this campus and, and what it stood for, um, it was a great opportunity for me to stay close to home. So it was something I dreamed of and had the opportunity to do. And another a dream, another dream of mine was to coach here. So I'm having that opportunity as well now. So. So early on, elementary school, you moved around. I guess your yeah. dad was coaching different places. Yeah, so I was born um, in Bell County. We were, he was a clean kangaroo, and then he got us, He went from there to Clifton, and his first uh, head job was in 91 at Rosebud Lot. So he, he spent a year at Rosebud Lot, and then we went back to Clifton, then Lampasas, and then finished at China Spring. And obviously dad and mom and my brother are all there now. And so it's kind of neat, you know, being back here. I live in China Spring, live two blocks from my folks, mm. and my brother's the head coach, uh, you know, and so it's a, it's a really neat – opportunity for my family we you know you got such deep roots there at china spring but i remember clifton i mean y'all were y'all were the first family of clifton really for a long time. <laughs> yeah i don't know about that yeah. you know that was neat the neat thing about clifton was you know I, my dad was an assistant there then he came back as a head coach later and uh, we actually had a tragedy there my sister was killed in an accident there and so clifton's been a community to my family that's meant the world and then you fast forward that was where i had my first start as a head football coach and uh, and, and that was my first head job at clifton and where my wife's from so clifton you know along with china springer are, are places that are very close to me and my family so i was about to say didn't you know haley when you guys were yeah yeah so haley younger haley um 
Haley's older brother, Zach, he's the middle brother. She also has an oldest brother, TJ, that actually pole vaulted at Baylor. But Zach and I played Little League baseball together. So her dad, Tom, and Zach, and my dad, we all played Little League. They both coached. And so we kind of went – we played together. We went against each other. But Haley was always a little bit younger. She was three – you know, I've got videos of her and my little sister doing cheerleaders on Friday night, <laughs> and, you know, doing cheerleader stuff at Friday night football games. And so we've known each other our entire lives. And – Went on to college. She went to A and M. I came to Baylor, and then after college, kind of kind of met up at a actually at a Baylor football game when RG three and those guys beat A and M at Floyd Casey. I think it was the last time at A and M Baylor played at Floyd Casey's mm. when when Haley and I met back up and started dating. And I guess the rest is history. So, yeah. yeah, very good. And and we're not far into the podcast to mention <laughs> Haley's. Name. Yes, who is who is the better athlete <laughs> between you and Haley? She ran track right. at A and M. This is a this is a common yes, I guess, it I is. Say argument more than a conversation. More of a, between not just Haley, but my dad, my brother. But uh, I I think Haley she. She was a tremendous athlete. You know, she won state three years, should have won it four. She actually got robbed her freshman year in pole vault on a judgment call. But she uh, went on to be a track athlete at A&M, did the pole vault, and then they talked her into doing the javelin. And she was a really good volleyball player, basketball player, track athlete. And so I'd, 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 I'd be remiss if I didn't say she was the better athlete. <laughs> <laughs> Smart man. <laughs> Very good. Good move. Uh, you mentioned um, your sister and the tragedy there in Clifton. I think folks around there certainly know mm-hmm. about that. But that was, boy, that was, uh, it was a tragedy. I mean, that's the only way to put it for right. you and your family to go through. Yeah, so I was in third grade. My brother was just coming on to his second birthday, and they were out in the backyard and, and actually going to get a, a baseball glove. And I think she was going in, you know, big in kindergarten in August. And she, uh, somehow my dad had a truck that was a manual truck and, and, and started driving down the hill. We lived on this real steep hill. And um, went down the hill and, and just a tragic accident where it ran her over. We don't. We were inside. They were outside, so we don't know if she was chasing the car, fell out of the car, or what. Um, but we know obviously that it didn't run over, and she was kind of killed on impact. And you know, I, I tell you, you, you kind of learn more about yourself through tragedy and th- times like that. And that that was an opportunity to where I just looked at my parents. I was in third grade. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to act. And I looked at them and the strength that they had in their faith and the support that we had in that community and the way they, you know, just just surrounded us and. I just I just really took a lot from it. I think it that tragedy obviously kind of shaped our family. It really grew us closer together. And, uh, you know, you, you always look for the bright spots. I don't know if there's ever a bright spot in a tragedy like that, but one of the things it did do was kind of solidify who we were as a family. And so, um, like, like I said earlier in the podcast, Clifton community was unbelievable to me and my family, and, and we definitely couldn't have gone through it without them. So. Yeah, yeah. thanks for telling that. Yeah. And, yeah. and your your mom and dad, uh, Mark and Becca, you know, just so, uh, you know, so grounded in your faith, uh, that had to help. I mean, and it really showed through that time. I think so. And I, you see reports and you see studies of, of, of parents who lose children and you know the impact it has on their relationship and the, the divorce rate and all that stuff and I mean I'll just it's just such a testament to them and their faith and their belief that you know in God and, and the strength that he provides for them and, and it provided to me and so I think that shaped them and then ultimately shaped me who I am so well and you now on the flip side are a father right. you have little ones uh your twin boys now they're doing great but when they were born things were a little critical there were they not yeah so when i when Haley was uh pregnant with the twins that she had to go see a high-risk specialist and she was about 18 weeks pregnant and she came driving out to practice i was a head coach at magnolia west and she very rarely came out there and i could just see from a distance that something was wrong so i ran over to the car and we were told at 18 weeks that we were going to lose the twins 
And so I spent the next couple nights just not sleeping, researching, and found this doctor. Luckily, you know, we were in Magnolia, so we had the best medical care in Houston you could find. And found the doctor to kind of do an emergency procedure. And she went on bed rest from 18 weeks to 27 weeks um, wow. and held them, held them in. And um, so at 27 weeks, they were born. We thought at that time they were going to make it to 30, 31, and we're blessed for, for 27. Um, but, yeah, they were born at 2 pounds, 10 ounces. I could take my wedding ring up and down Cannon's arms and legs. I yeah. could just slide it right up and down their arms and legs. And, you know, Cannon had the, had probably the worst of it. He was, he was coming, you know, he was closest to coming out at 18 weeks and he had, you know, two brain surgeries, a lung surgery, a heart surgery early in life. And, uh, really just had to battle. And, and, and then Braxton, on the other hand, he, he had it pretty easy, you know, and, um, it, I'll tell you one part of the most, you know, people talk about miracles. There's a miracle in this, that there's, there's probably 10 things I could tell you that just make you not believe, but he, uh, Braxton needed a heart surgery. So they spent like probably 30 days apart in two different hospitals and Braxton needed a heart surgery and they were going to transport Braxton to where Cannon was because he had a brain surgery there. And the night before the heart surgery, um, they let him sleep in the pods together. Haley held him. And, you know, this was all new to me. I, I didn't have much, you know, knowledge yeah. of NICU this or NICU that. And anyway, long story short, the next morning they woke up to do the heart surgery and, and Braxton's heart was healed. And you know, I, we always hear like the power of mother. So Haley yeah. held her and then, and then the power of twins being yeah. together. And so, yeah, Braxton, the next morning woke up, they re they remeasured the, the hole in his heart and it was completely healed. And wow. so just a lot wow. of, like a lot of, a lot of, you know, just like, just like Lindsay, the tragedy of Lindsay and my sister kind of shaped, you know, my family, I think that this tragedy, not tragedy, this blessing, I guess that in tough time that we went through with Cannon and Braxton have shaped Haley and my, and our family. So, uh, it was a road, but it was definitely well worth it. And they're doing great. You wouldn't yeah. even, you wouldn't even know anything now. So very nice. blessed. That's it. Those guys are out of practice a lot. <laughs> they're, they're running around. They got a lot of energy. Right. A lot of energy. A lot, right? lot of, of energy. energy. Lots of energy. See it on that Instagram takeover. Yeah. Running, running yeah. routes, and they've they've been getting their PE in. There's that's no for question. sure. There's that's no question good. about that. Haley, you know, first week of homeschool, Haley had, uh, texted the principal and asked if she could send them to the principal. <laughs> she, was, she was having trouble. With them. Yeah, they're they're fun. They're blessed. And let's don't leave Sadie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Sadie, Sadie's my princess. Yeah, yeah. So she, uh, she, she just turned. She had her birthday in February, so we celebrated that, and she just turned three. And so, um, she's a she's a blessing as well. She's a joy, and uh, she's she's a blast to be. Around. She just like Haley. She might be the best athlete in the family. Oh so, wow! Okay, she's, brothers, <laughs> no better watch there. out. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you mentioned uh, Magnolia West in there. You were a high school coach for for 10 years. Tell us about your stops in that journey. Yeah. So I, you know, had a chance to, I guess it probably all starts because I had a chance to play in Canada. You know, if I wouldn't have gone to Canada, I probably would have tried a GA or something out of college, but I went up there and came back in the middle of summer, needed a job and started at Round Rock Stony Point, got a great start there. Went to China Spring to be offensive coordinator, and uh, but the real reason was to coach my brother. So as my dad was the head coach, I was calling plays, and my brother was a quarterback, and what an opportunity. And then, uh, like I said earlier, went to Clifton, was only there a year, had planned on staying there a while, and then uh, Dr. Todd Stevens allowed me an opportunity for six years to be the head, head football coach at Magnolia West High School right outside of Houston. So I was there six years and then finished it uh, back in Round Rock at Cedar Ridge High School before I joined Baylor. And so, you know, I've been, been around some unbelievable coaches, great programs, you know, I, some of the best times of my life and uh, just some really good people I've come in contact with. We've talked about, you know, your time at China Spring and how he, he called you the first family of Clifton. <laughs> I think yeah. that's pretty safe to say right now in China Spring. True, with the, yeah. the bell name is well known. Um, but you just mentioned coaching Brian, your mm -hmm. younger brother. What was that dynamic like? You go from brothers and now all of a sudden – He's got two coaches, that right. dad and brother. Right. You know, the neat thing, 
the neat thing about Brian and my relationship is we're eight years apart. And so we never really fought growing up. We never, you know, I was in high school and he was in elementary school, you know, and so there's such a separation there of where we, we never really clashed. So when I had the opportunity to come back and coach him, I think it was something that we both just kind of cherished. You know, I was hard on him. I know my dad was equally hard on myself and, and my brother, but, uh, you know, he, he did say that many a times. He called me dad every now and then. He said, thanks dad. You know, <laughs> instead, of, instead of coach or anything like that, I think he, 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 he took it, took light with it as well, but it was a great experience. And that's why I did it. You know, you never, when do you have those opportunities? And my, I knew my dad's career was, you know, not quite ready to be over, but getting towards the end. And I was kind of getting started to where hopefully I was going to be a head coach. So I kind of knew that was probably the only time on the road that would ever happen. So it was a blessing. Yeah, what a unique opportunity, you know, for your dad to be there, you to be there, and Brian to be there. I mean, uh, I, I, you know, everything sort of aligned mm-hmm. for you guys to be there at the same school at the same time. Right. It was a great year, and, and you know, I, we had good players, too. We had Mike Hicks, who came on to oh, Baylor, yeah. and he was a phenomenal high school football player, probably the best high school football player in China Spring history. So it was a it was a great year, and one I always cherish. So I look back on my career, that was, that was one probably my favorite year of coaching. Well, now it's come full circle, and you're not at China Spring, but you're right down the road here at Baylor. Right. So my my, my children, we laugh about it. You know, I I grew up on the sidelines on Friday night to where I spent, you know, every day at the field house with Dad. And Thursday night I went to games. Friday night I went to games. And that was one of the things when I took this job and came to college, I thought, man, I don't want my kids to miss that. And they've had the opportunity, obviously, to be around here with Coach Rule and now Coach Aranda, and they're, they're awesome. But they also have the opportunity with my brother to do things that, you know, that they may would do if I was still at high school. So Thursday nights they'll go to JV or middle school games, and Friday nights they're at every Cougar game supporting B. And so um, it's, it's great for them as much as anybody. And so I don't know many grandparents that, you know, have, have have their grandchildren two blocks down the road either. So I'm sure, you know, grandma and grandpa aren't too upset. <laughs> <laughs> and Brian, who, by the way, is a big fan, supporter of the Baylor Bear Foundation, is uh, <laughs> is doing really well yeah, he as is. the head coach there at China Spring. He is. I'm proud of him. He, uh, you know, he went on and had a great career at Sam Houston, played for two national championships. And, you know, and when I was at Magnolia West, he actually came after Sam and worked with me for a year. So that was another enjoyable time. And that was when the boys were just born. And so it was yeah. a neat time again for our family. But uh, he's a tremendous coach, tremendous person, tremendous friend. And like I said, it, it's been it's been neat for me because so many people, brothers, grow up banging heads. And we, we didn't. We, I've just been able to support him and love him and, and vice versa so we have a really good relationship well and how great it is for you now to still be by family that it's the exact same reason that or i'm reading your own words here on your <laughs> um, wednesday why wednesday post that came out last week from baylor football account um but just mentioning that you got to go to college play right here d1 but have your family still just right down the road and have them who Brian is eight years younger than you and your parents still be able to go to all that, all those games. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of I, I tweet about it and different things. And we talk about it as a organization, but you know, the, the priorities of faith, family and football, you know, obviously faith is the most important thing in my family and my life and, and then family, you know? And so for me, every decision I make and every, every, everything I do is for my family. So we're really, really close. And it's a blessing because not just my family, but Haley's parents are 30 minutes down the road. So I don't know many college, football coaches that probably have it better than I do right now. So very blessed. What could you in a capsule say that you learned from your dad about coaching? Oh man. Um, That's why I said a capsule because <laughs> I know there's a lot. I learned a ton. I yeah. learned a ton. And I think, you know, my dad was such a fiery, is such a fiery individual to where I think, you know, he, he, 
uh, maybe thought if you if you saw him from a distance, you would think he was one way. When in fact, it was a complete opposite. You know, he just was so competitive that and, and that he all the time that on Friday nights he was just a different person. And so he sometimes would get a negative light because of that. Nobody really knew the the care and the love and the type of person he really was to our team and our our children and, and different things. And probably what I learned the most was that you're going to have to make tough decisions. But obviously, you know, when you when you make those decisions. Um, you know, as long as that's what's best for the student athlete, that's what's best. And he told me a long time ago, he said, Sean, he said, let me tell you something. He said, and I think every, every parent, every coach that hears this will, will agree to this and somebody will probably steal it. But he said, everybody's rational until it comes to their own children. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think about in my life, I'm like, you know, I am rational until it mm-hmm. comes to three people, Cannon, Braxton, and Sadie. I, when, it, <laughs> when it comes to them, I'm, he said, so you can't ever hold, you know, parents are going to do some irrational things at times and it's just because it's their children. So mm-hmm. I never, never hold that against them. So that was something I, that's always stuck with me in my cold coaching career. So. That's really good advice. Yeah, yeah. Relationships, community, home. Now more than ever, these are the things that we're holding fast to. Home should restore us from today and ready us for tomorrow. It's where stories are told and relationships are forged. Within those walls, memories are made, laughter is shared, and family is gathered around the table. For these reasons, we believe in home and that right now there is no better place to be. If you and your family are looking to buy or sell a home, head over to magnoliarealty.com. Magnolia is a proud sponsor of Baylor Athletics. I hate my job, but I don't mind getting up in the morning. I dread each day, but I can't wait to get out of bed. You ask me why, and what I'll say to you is true. Well, you can get breakfast tacos at Rudy's Barbecue. Scrambled eggs and brisket, they ain't fooling around. Salsa draft, son, they're the best in town. Barbecue for breakfast, yes, it's true. Put a smile on your morning at Rudy's Barbecue. You're listening to the Sikkim Podcast, a production of Baylor Athletics. Here again are Brooke Bednars and John Morris. We're visiting with Sean Bell, Baylor uh, assistant football coach, working with the offensive line. We'll get to uh, today's uh, where you're doing what you're doing now. Let's go back to your playing days here at Baylor. Uh, what was the recruiting process like? You talked about growing up here, knowing Baylor, being around Baylor, having gone to Baylor games. Uh, what was it like when you actually uh, got the offer and ended up here at Baylor? Well, I, I, like I said, I didn't live as close to Waco. I live kind of around Waco. So I, I actually grew up, my dad was an Aggie. I grew up in Aggie. So mm-hmm. I wanted to be an Aggie. And I remember like yesterday, I was a freshman in high school when I walked by Kevin Still and he walked, he said, you know, and there, Baylor was playing A&M and he was at his son's football game in China Spring. And my best friend at the time, that for whatever reason said, you know, Sean's an Aggie or whatever. And he said, well, we'll see when the scholarships come around. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I, when, when I, I never forget walking down the, the steps at Floyd Casey when, when I had that offer, the first person I called was my dad, and, and it was just a, just a joy because, like I said, it wasn't just about the opportunity to, to play big-time football, but to do it so close to home. You know, my parents didn't miss a single game, and uh, so I was recruited under Coach Steele and, and actually Greg Meyer, who's a good friend still to this day and a guy that I love and respect uh, a whole lot. And so those two guys had a lot to do with why I was here, along with, obviously, Baylor University. But, you know, I was thinking the other day, it was, it was such a unique experience because I was recruited under Coach Meyer, and then by the time I got here, Coach Baldwin was our offensive coordinator and then, you know, then Brent Peace. And mm-hmm. so I have four different coordinators almost wow. in, in that amount of time. So got to come in contact with a lot of coaches, which developed me who I am now. So, Well, and you kind of left your uh, mark there um, real casually on the uh, record book. Sixth <laughs> most all time with 5,666 career yards and 38 career touchdowns. Um, but then someone we all know pretty well comes in and 
breaks your records, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Mister Charlie Brewer. How do yeah. you feel about that? Well, don't think, don't think for a second. Every time that pops up, there'll be something show up on Twitter or something where it says, you know, Charlie's a touchdown away from passing me, which I'm further <laughs> down, obviously, with RG three and Nick and everybody. But you know, every time my name shows up and it's a little bit above Charlie, he'll send it to me. He's, he's, quick, <laughs> he's quick to remind me, and he, uh, you know, I've been proud of him and the hard work he's put in and the, the benefits he's reaping now because he's he's worked hard for it. But yeah, that's that's pretty neat because I'm telling you, him, him or Garrett McGuire, one of those two guys is always yeah. sending me something if, it, <laughs> if my name pops up so um it's a kind of a challenge between us let's go back to uh let's go back to 2004 <laughs> talked about baylor and a&m <laughs> and your family's uh background and your dad's background with a&m and of course uh, uh haley uh, a&m grad as well listen to this i know you've heard this before sean maybe more than once uh brooke i'm not sure if you have listen to this Three receivers left, two right. Sean Bell has the snap. Looking, looking. No! No! Touchdown! Oh, baby! They have knocked off the Aggies for the first time since 1985. The fans are storming onto the field. Sean Bell hits Dominique Siegler, and the Bears win over A&M 35-34 in overtime. Number one, uh, maybe the worst call in Baylor football history, <laughs> but number two, maybe the best call because if you're coming at it from a Baylor perspective, uh, even though JJ and I are just screaming, you know something good happened. Right. So uh, you you've heard that in your your kids, right? Yeah. So, do they have so it memorized? It's funny you say that. We were we saw you the other day, and I almost stopped you because Cannon Haley's had Cannon and Braxton watch that before, and they were driving in the car and and they were watching it in their headphones. And Haley couldn't hear him, I think. And they just kept going, whoa, baby. <laughs> that's what, that's what you, you said at that time. So that's every time great. they see you, every time they hear your voice. I'm whoa, baby. They, they always, whoa, baby. <laughs> but, yeah, so that was uh, – they, they've actually seen that. I've never made them watch it. But uh, I think, you know, Cannon eats, sleeps, and breathes Baylor football. So that boy loves watching, oh, watching yeah. that, that oh, video. Yeah. And any, anytime he can watch anything, he's watching the hype videos that our creative team does such a great job of. Um, but he loves that stuff. It's neat. So that was October of 2004 – Win over A and M, first win over A and M in 19 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were ranked 16th at the time. That was a that was a huge play, but a huge moment for you and for the program. Yeah, it was. And, and there's so much that goes into that story. And you know, from my dad and and you know my my desire to beat A and M. And you know, the actually the week before, I kind of cost us the game at Iowa State. I fumbled for 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 six the other way. I got hit blindsided, and so it was kind of a it's kind of a rocky road for us at that season. And so for that to happen that that night. Um, it was a special night for me and, and my family, obviously. But I think it it was a building stone for this yeah. program. I think if you look back on it, that was something that you know propelled that that generation, and then ultimately you know got obviously the next staff in and doing what they did, and, and then now where we are. So uh, it was a, it was a special night, a fun night. So one of my first thoughts was, I mean, kind of every after everything settled down was about you and your dad. You mm-hmm. know, knowing his history, A and M proud Aggie, you know, right. as he should be. But I know he was proud for you, <laughs> even though it came at the expense of. A&M a&M that night. Yeah, so when A&M, you know, when I committed to Baylor, A&M still kind of talked to me and stuff, and Dad dad actually went in and took his A&M ring off. He's probably the only Aggie I've ever met that doesn't wear his Aggie ring, and so he, he went, when I committed to Baylor, took it off and hadn't worn it since, and um, I remember that night, you know, when I threw the touchdown, everybody's sprinting this way or that way, but somehow he got on the field first. I don't know how he did it, <laughs> but he hurdled that. He hurdled the, uh, he hurdled the railing, and he was one of the first people I saw, and just a special moment for us, so very neat. Boy. What does it mean for you to have to have those memories that now you're sharing with your kids and whoa, baby, this and that, all those, all those fun things. Um, but to now be here 
helping create those memories for the players that you're working with right now? You know, I didn't, I never really said this much, but one thing I wanted to come to Baylor for a lot of different reasons, but one of the other reasons was I wanted to be the guy that, that changed it. You know, Baylor was not successful up until the time I got here. And I wanted to be known as the guy that, that changed this football program that, that got us to a bowl and that won championships. And, you know, I didn't have a chance to really do that. And so to be here now and to be a part of it, that's still my same goal, but it's just in a different capacity. So, you know, to play in the Sugar Bowl last year and play for a Big 12 championship. And so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that as a coach, I can help, you know, this program continue to rise and, and be special. And that, that was my goal as a player, and I didn't fully reach it. And so I think that still drives me every second of every day to, to be a part of that and to help build that. So, yeah. It was – was how tough a call was it for you to leave high school coaching? You were a head coach mm-hmm. uh, when when Coach Rule made contact with you, and I'm guessing David Wetzel was a part of that uh, initial bit. contact mm-hmm. yeah. also. How, how You had to weigh a lot of things before you accepted the job to come back here. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the hardest thing was what was at Cedar Ridge. You know, I knew that – it was a great program, great people, great student athletes, and I loved it. I mean, it was a great place. And, you know, I took a job uh, for less money and, and off the field position, kind of taking a chance. And so it was definitely, you know, a, a chance. And, you know, Jeremiah Dickey and I were laughing about it the other day, you know, th- you know, four years ago, just, you know, how lucky I've been that my career's propelled. And um, so I kind of took a chance. So it, it was a tough decision. And it was because not only those guys, but also the coaches. I just was at Cedar Ridge for a year. So I brought my whole new staff in and guys that I, you know, usually when you leave a job in high school, you can take people with you well obviously jumping to Baylor didn't really have that opportunity so I was worried about them and ultimately the student athletes there at Cedar Ridge but I think the good Lord's uh, blessed me and that was definitely the right decision and part of uh, really the smartest moves I think Coach Rule made uh, starting out was hiring David Wetzel and you and then Joey McGuire mm-hmm. to get those Texas ties. Uh, and you and Coach McGuire, uh, you know everybody, but you and Coach McGuire have uh, uh, maybe interesting is, is the right <laughs> word. Interesting working relationship right. between you two. Yeah, we do. We do. And that was that was a neat time because, you know, Coach Wetzel was already hired and, you know, Joey and I are talking and I'm talking to David. Who's What are you going to do? What are you going to do? We're all kind of talking through it. And, uh, you know, I, I've got a chance to know him a little bit through the high school ranks, but he's just a tremendous friend along with Coach Wetzel, just two people that, you know, I think Baylor would be proud of how they act every day and who they are every day and what they represent. And then, uh, yeah, Joey, Joey's something else. He, you know, when I first met Joey in high school, I thought there's no way this guy's like this every day. There's no <laughs> way, you know, he's, he's bouncing off the, you know, there's gotta be, he's gotta be times he turns the switch off and, uh, there's not, I mean, he's like this every day. Um, we were over at his house. I took the kids swimming, uh, I guess just, uh, Sunday, two days ago. And so, uh, just just great friends, great family, and, you know, uh, just, just people that we're really close with and really, really enjoy being around. He's Uncle Uncle JoJo, right? <laughs> JoJo, yeah. <laughs> yeah. To Uncle your Jojo, kids. Yeah. So it shows how close. And and y'all really do uh, have great uh, rapport between each other, banter back and forth, <laughs> bright light, all of that good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Between, trying, each trying to get the upper hand on the other. Yeah, it was, it was unique last year. You know, the first two years, we sat next to each other every day. I mean, we sat yeah. next to each other and – uh, he coached the tight ends, and you know I took over the offensive line, so we worked next to each other. Well, last year he was D line, and I was O line, so it was the first time we've ever really gone against each other. So there were some, there were some times out there there were one on ones or some compete drills that you know we're going back and forth. But he, uh, tremendous competitor and just a fun guy to be around every day. If you need a trailer, Flat Rock Trailers has got you covered. From light-duty single-axle utility trailers to the big text tandem duels. We also carry a full line of enclosed cargo trailers. Need a motorcycle trailer? We've got them. Need a dump trailer? We've got the largest selection in the state. Oil field trailers? We carry a full line of big text trailers to handle all your needs. Trailer repairs? We repair all makes and models. We'll even rent you a trailer if you need to use one for a day. Flat Rock Trailers, your number one source for all your trailer needs. Find us at flatrocktrailers.com. 
Relationships, community, home. Now more than ever, these are the things that we're holding fast to. Home should restore us from today and ready us for tomorrow. It's where stories are told and relationships are forged. Within those walls, memories are made, laughter is shared, and family is gathered around the table. For these reasons, we believe in home and that right now, there is no better place to be. If you and your family are looking to buy or sell a home, head over to magnoliarealty.com. Magnolia is a proud sponsor of Baylor Athletics. You mentioned, um, John, you know, bringing in those Texas ties, bringing in you three. Um, how have you, with your experience in high school coaching, your father, you guys moved around, et cetera, you have lots of ties everywhere. How have you seen that relate to the recruiting aspect that you do now? I think it relates kind of in two ways. I think, like you said, you know, I've, I've, I was able – the only place that I really wasn't at uh, was DFW. You know, I was in Central Texas. I was in, you know, Austin area. I was in the Houston area. And so – DFW area and I guess maybe South Texas I didn't spend as much time with but I've had relations everywhere in my short time in high school so that was a benefit obviously the relationship with the coaches but I think too just the way you understand how a 14 15 16 17 18 year old kid thinks you know sometimes you if you've only been in college you don't understand you know what they're dealing with on a daily basis or, or how it really works with that school day and so I think the familiarity of what it looks like as a high school student athlete has made me a better recruiter because I went that route you know I, mm-hmm. I really understand what their day looks like on a daily basis what they're going through what they're thinking because I, that's who I coached for 10 years that's who I you know was around every second of of my 10 years in high school so I think those relationships with high school coaches and that have probably been the biggest benefit you came here as an offensive analyst uh, like you mentioned not even on the field mm-hmm. coaching uh, offensive line coach last year now tight ends coach this year uh, how about moving positions moving jobs responsibilities within the staff well, I think, uh, you know, first, what, you know, the last two years have been been special. I know it's uh, something that I think, you know, I, I took on and, you know, was kind of, you know, would never coach the offensive line. It was a unique experience for me, but I had two mentors that, you know, could really help me through that process. And I learned so much, and it's going to, I think, really help my career in the future. I think it will really, you know, help me and, and be a better coach. But I'm really excited to be with the tight ends. I think that we've got a room of guys that are kind of coming into their own. They're, they've been young guys that are now kind of growing up, and we expect big things from them this year. But also I'm really excited to be involved with the passing game. You know, I, for the last two years I've only been involved with pass protection and run game, and they're down there throwing seven on seven, and I don't even get to see what's going on over there. So as a tight end coach, you get involved in the run game, the pass game, special teams. So it will allow me to really be more involved in the whole game and I'm really excited about it before we get to the tight ends or more about the tight ends uh, go back to the offensive line working with George DeLeon right. and and Josh Cochran with you as well I mean guys uh, that was pretty good uh, information uh, source for you coaching the O-line for the first time absolutely and those are two guys that I, I would consider great friends you know coach DeLeon's taught me more and I, he's taught me so much about offensive line, but more about what it means to be a coach and, and and who that is and what that looks like than anything. And you know, Josh was a guy that was you know a GA I guess at the time, and but really just a guy I could lean on and, and very you know guy that's a genuinely just unbelievable person. And so it's been a fun two years to to be with those guys, and we're gonna miss them, but I definitely keep in touch with them, and I talk to those guys just weekly. So um, that, that was that was a great experience for all of us, I think. You were one of the few coaches who stuck around during the coaching change that we just had. Um, 
providing consistency for the athletes who are still here. What has that been like for you? Because this is an adjustment period, and this is not the adjustment period anyone thought it was going to look like on Zoom meetings and this and that. But from the time that you were able to spend actually with the new coaching staff, what has that been like for you? Well, it's been great. I think, you know, Coach Aranda, I think when you look at somebody, how they, who they are as a head coach, do you start with who they hire, you know, and the people that they come in contact with? Because it tells you two things. One, it tells you who they are as far as finding coaches. But more importantly, the type of coach that wants to come work for Coach Aranda tells you who he is. And so when you see a coach that's pulling Coach Fedora and, you know, Coach uh, Roberts and, 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 you know, people from the LSU staff and coaches from the NFL and, you know, people that just just coming from everywhere to come work for Coach Aranda, that really shows you that you're working for the right guy. So I've, I've really enjoyed getting to know them and that. But, you know, I was Coach Fedora and I were laughing about it the other day. It's like, you know, when somebody takes over a program, it's very rare that they keep people and they keep guys on staff. Well, he kept Joey on defense and myself on offense. And it's like Coach Aranda saw the future because, I mean, Coach Fedora's never seen Charlie Brewer throw a pass in person. He's never mm -hmm. seen interested in them to run a ball in person. You know, Severson tackle on court, Thornton catch a ball in person. It's the only two people on the full-time staff that have are Joey and myself. And so I think it's been a benefit for us because we have seen them do things and we can give some insight into really what our strengths are because out of spring, you really got to kind of, okay, here's who we are, here's what we can do, and we didn't get that spring. And so it's been a benefit, I think, to have our, us on staff to, to kind of help with that transition. And I know that, uh, you know, we're excited to get running. And I, I think that, you know, we think it's definitely a positive. So. No on-the-field spring practice. Unfortunately, uh, it would have been great if you'd been able to do that with a new staff this year. But what, uh, give us a sense of what you have done with the players uh, remotely. Yeah, we've you know I've, we've been Zoom. I can do anything you need to do on <laughs> I promise you that. So we uh, every week we, we have been doing install meetings. And so we, we put together what would have been if we started spring our first five spring installs and we've been through those i guess maybe six times now to where we we've installed it twice you know twice in person and then we came back and did it twice online and uh when when the, when the pandemic hit and then now we're going through it and we're almost doing what's called virtual practices on offense to where we're signaling the play we're communicating the play at the line of scrimmage and then each player's talking about what they see what they would do and mm -hmm. we're getting as much to as you can get out of it as you possibly can and i think it's been a benefit for my guys specifically because they you know you you, you it challenges them to prepare because they're in front of their whole team and they're having to say, hey, I'm going to have to do exactly this and step this way and do that. And it really holds everybody accountable. So I think we're doing the most we possibly can. I know we're all excited to really get out on the field and, and get the ball in our hands again. But um, it, it has been rewarding in the fact that I think our guys do have a good grasp of, of, of the X's and O's of what we're trying to do on offense and what we're trying to do on defense. So I think that's been, that's been one bright spot. We haven't done it physically, but mentally um, we're pretty locked in. What does the tight end look like? What's the tight end role in a, a Larry Fedora offense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's I think it's grown. I think that that as you look at you know what we've done the last three years, that's an area of, that, that needs improvement, and we need you know we need somebody to step up in that room that can they can do a lot of things, and and so that people you know can't game plan based on who's in the game and what they're doing, and so what that looks like is somebody that can spread out in space and be a weapon in the pass game, but also come into the box and be physical and set the tone in the run game and in pass protection, and you know you look at the teams that are successful, the Clemson's and the LSU used all those guys were you know 11 personnel which is you know one back and one tight end and they're going up and down the field in that same personnel and they're not having to change and that's something that's hurt us for the last two years offensively is we haven't had that guy that could spread out and do what we wanted them to do and then come in the box and do what we asked him to do as well and so you know there's some big there's some there's some there's a that's a big 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 thing in this offense and we looked at the other day as far as coach Fedora, he's had some big time tight ends when he was at oklahoma state and in north carolina and he's done some tremendous job with that position so we, we've got some guys that need to step up in that role
Let's talk, let's go a little bit deeper into mm-hmm. the, that room, talking about the personnel. How are how are they doing, and kind of where do you see them fitting? Yeah, so it's a it's a talented room, and I'm excited about it. The, the one thing that's in that room though is youth. You know, it's it's everybody's got a lot of years left, and yeah, I'd probably say the guy that has the most amount of snaps will be Christoph Henley. He's going into his true junior year. He's he's played for us the last two years, and he's a guy that does everything exactly right and, and very detailed in what he does. You know, um, Tyler Henderson. Um, missed the whole year last year due to to an ACL. He was coming through spring ball and really, really coming on um, at the end of spring last year when he hurt his knee. So I'm excited to get him back out and um, really see what he can do. And and he's he's a tremendous worker. Uh, Ben Sims was another one that we we have high expectations for. And as you look at the season last year, you know, the Oklahoma game where we lost when game day was here and then the UT game, he was playing his best football and ended up getting hurt in practice, uh, I think right before the Kansas game. And um, so he's a guy that we, you know, I think really can be that, you know, weapon in the past game as as detached. And he's, he's grown to be more physical and stronger and tougher and um he's a guy we're, we're expecting big things from and then the the unknown would be sam snyder he redshirted last year um big athletic long uh athlete that can you know, do a lot of things he's had to put on weight i think he's up to 226 right now so he's gaining weight and doing what we want um as far as is, is in the weight room and things like that and, and then we have one new uh enrollee which would be uh Drake Dabney, who's coming from Cy Ranch, and he can kind of do all the things I mentioned. So, you know, in that room, it's going to be a great competition. That's what I'm excited about. There's no, you know, there's no front runner. It's wide open. The best guy's going to play, and uh, it's a big role in this offense, so we need him to step up. Talked about the new staff Coach Randa has put in place. That's the thing that I say every chance I get is this is a great staff. I mean, you look at the people that want to come here, that want to be at Baylor, that want to coach with Coach Randa. Uh, how have you guys mashed, and, and how is that part of uh, working together progressing so far? Well, I think you, when you look – same thing when you look at coach Aranda, he he hires based on character and, and, and you know who you are as a person first and so it's been a, a great transition there's no ego that's what i love about it the most there's guys that have been head coaches you know there's been guys that have been coordinators that aren't coordinators you know that it's been it's a room full of a lot of talented guys but there's no ego in that room and that starts from the top coach Aranda is an unbelievable unbelievable football coach but he, he's never going to you know be boisterous and saying that and, and, and he's going to obviously let you coach and do do it do it you got to do to get your position ready. But um, I've been impressed with everybody's just ability to adapt and, and, and open and, and, and be open to everything that's going on. And that's, that's really, I've really learned a lot. There's guys, I mean, look at coach Stewie who's a defensive coordinator for Dallas Cowboys. Coach Fedora has been a head coach. Ron Roberts been a head coach and, you know, guys that have been at LSU, you know, coach Munoz is a guy that I've known for a long time he was, he recruited my school at Magnolia West. And so just a lot of, a lot of great individuals and a lot of knowledge, but, but no ego. And that's what I like about it. Here for you, your family, and our community. Alan Samuels is open for business. Shop safely in our showroom. Our service and parts departments are open. There's free pickup and delivery for all service work. All safely sanitized when returned. We'll even deliver test drive vehicles to your home or office. Shop and buy totally online at alansamuelsdcj.com. We're ready to help. Always your friend in the car business. Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Bentwood Realty is a full-service real estate firm with more than 70 high-achieving agents who desire to make a positive impact in their local communities. Their agents stay actively involved in all buying, selling, and investing real estate transactions to make sure their clients receive the utmost level of service. Established in 2011 by brokers Kim Galvan and Rick Hines, both proud Baylor alumni, call Bentwood Realty today, 254-300-4800. They're at 601 Lake Air Drive in Waco and Bentwood Realty. 
Now, back to the Sikkim Podcast, presented by your friend in the car business, Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. John Bell is our guest, Baylor's tight ends coach with Baylor Football. Hey, we appreciate you tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the Sikkim Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Catch us each week for a new Sikkim Podcast. And uh, one of the things uh, I thought it was a really good idea that you guys did was uh, each position coach, you worked with another position. Say you as the tight end coach, maybe you worked with the uh, defensive line or something like that. Uh, how did that go, and did you guys get out of that? what you hope to yeah it's still ongoing actually it's neat every friday every friday morning our zoom meeting is 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 a player get to know group and so um, we split guys up by position sometimes it's just random but you're very rarely with somebody that's in your position i haven't had the tight ends yet because they hear from me all the time (laughs) it gives you a chance you know i've had the safeties i've had the the d-line i've had the linebackers and really get you a chance to build that team camaraderie you can't build when you're not in person and I think I've really enjoyed it I know the new coaches have probably you know gotten the most out of it because they're really getting to know the guys and um, that's been a neat opportunity for us we've also done it with our signees because our signees are um, out there and they're you know they're waiting they're chomping at the bit to get started and so they also want to get to know the new coaches so we we've done it for you know just I think I think when you're apart you don't feel a part of the team you know when you're so far away and everybody's spread out and I think it's just been a great thing that coach Aranda decided to do to to help build this thing together you're getting that team atmosphere as best you can even though you're miles and states apart you know it's been pretty fun well what would you say I mean you've been the player um, not necessarily in this situation but maybe this isn't something that would have ever happened (laughs) these players would have never known the coaches that aren't over their position group or on their side of the ball as well as they are maybe right now. Yeah, you know, you look at it. When I was a player, I know it was so offense-driven and defense-driven. It's like two teams on a team, you know. It's like mm-hmm. the offense does this and they do that and the defense is over here. And I think that's that, that's what you can't have. I think you've got to have that team to where everybody knows, you know, the offense is fighting for the defense, the defense is fighting for the offense. And I think things like this help that. And I, I think it obviously starts at the top. Coach Ren is a guy that is going to be a team-first guy, a player-first guy. But but that's where, that's where championship teams are born. You look at our success we had last year. It was probably it had a lot to do with that cohesion of a team atmosphere and uh you know coach coach aranda's doing a great job as far as as remotely as we as we are remotely right now of, of sticking that team together and, and, and having that cohesive unit because that's what's going to take uh come august and september well we've got a date now june 15th yeah, yeah. when uh, student athletes football student athletes are able to come back on campus work not with you not with the coaches but work individually uh that's nice i think to to have that date and to me that's a real step forward uh progressing toward having football in the fall yeah i know my guys are excited i think you, like you said it has a date to where you know you, you know exactly when you have to be ready by when you when you're you know i think just just that timeline of okay i got exactly this amount of days to our report so i have to be ready to do this and do that i think that's that's big and then obviously there's been that that cloud all these meetings we've had all these meetings and all these opportunities you know to teach the offense the defense and there's but there's been that cloud out there of like are we going to have football and I know our guys haven't said it much but it's been in the back of their mind because they're reading this or they're seeing that and you know to have a little bit of that that door starting to close has been has been very I know our guy, my guys tied in specifically are really excited about it and they're just ready to get uh, get started I, I, we got guys in my room that are hungry you know that, that are coming off injury that you know really were ready for the spring but ultimately ready just to get back out there and do and show what they can do well now the spring has come to a close they just finished finals um transitioning into the summer now you're able to kind of put a plan of action together knowing that there is a date they're going to be here yeah and that's going on right now i mean as a staff we're you know we're we're you know it's not your normal schedule because you're going to have one schedule that 
if nothing would have changed, that's what we would do this summer. Well, now everything's changed because we don't, we haven't been in contact. We haven't been around them. We haven't been working them out. We've got to transition them from where they're at right now to being the best football player they can be week one against Ole Miss. And so all those plans are, are still ongoing and still changing, but at least we have that date to where we know, okay, this is where we're going to start. And this is the, the plan to build them back to where they need to be. So I think, I think it's a unique opportunity. That's what I told, I passed coach around in the hall. The other day I said, you know, when you took over your first head job, who would have thought, I mean, who would have to deal with this and no, spring ball and, and then the pandemic and zoom meetings and all this i think uh, he was laughing we had a good laugh about it but he, he's he's handled it the, the right way and done it the right way it's going to be exciting you know whatever form it takes when you guys can get back together get practice going and then put it on the field uh, hopefully september 5th you know is uh, when that first game is it's gonna be exciting when we get to that point yeah i think so i think our guy like i said i Every every Friday meeting that I've had with players, uh, every one of them said, you know, Coach, when I was there, you know, sometimes you go, I got a meeting at three, or oh man, I got this class, or I got, <laughs> I got to go lit, and they're all just, well, when can I do that again? You know, they're 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 craving their, the hunger is there, so I see a hunger about our team that that I know has is, is been created by this. So you look at all the, there's so many people that focus on the negative. What I look at is, I mean, we've got guys that are hungry to be back in meetings, they're hungry to be back to work, and they're hungry for this football season. So we're expecting big things from them. Well, I know we've said it, we've mentioned it in a couple of different podcasts, but people just missing seeing other people. They find themselves, you know, they took for granted X, Y, and Z, and now they're just really ready to get back. And you're kind of saying the same thing, yeah. but about, about sports. And right. this is at a time where they get to kind of pause and realize, like, take advantage of all the different opportunities that you have. What kind of benefit as an athlete? Because that's not necessarily something they just get in the routine of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so what might be a silver lining or a bright spot for this? Yeah, I think, you know, when everybody's playing careers over, they always look back and they think, well, I wish I would have done this or I wish I'd have done that. Well, these guys kind of have a pause in their career to where they can really look and say, well, you know, this is what I've got to improve. This, And so I think, I think that, you know, when does time ever slow down? And this is probably as close to it's ever been yeah. this slowing down for these guys. And so, I, like I said, I'm, I'm telling you, there's guys that you wouldn't believe what they're saying. I mean, they're, you know, coach, I'd give anything to be in another hour and a half meeting again. <laughs> I'd do anything to run another gasser. I mean, you they, can they, remind they, them of that when yeah, they get yeah. back on the field. But it, it, it really is just a hunger. It's just a hunger to get to get back to work. And I think, like you said, I think I think they know that, you know, I think time, you're always worried about, you know, when, when it's over, what it's going to look like. So I think it's maybe, maybe kind of refresh guys and, and make them more energized. I think it's going to be a benefit for us. I really do. All right, and we have a kind of a way to wrap all this up, um, staple here for our podcast. But we've talked about you know time kind of pausing, coming to a coming to a screeching halt in the spring, and now we're kind of taking those steps. Hopefully, what's out of this, um, we have a date for the football athletes to come back. But when everything does kind of get back to whatever the new normal looks like, um, what are you looking forward to most from Baylor athletics return? Well, I think. A lot, obviously, but I think the biggest thing is th- this program is so special. I think what what you know our, our our administration has built from top to bottom is so special. You look at what we were doing when this hit. I think just the, the I guess the desire to, to to put Baylor back where we were headed, and, and I think it's going to happen. You know, our volleyball season when they hit the ground running us, and then into basketball season, and then transferring to spring sports. I'm just excited to to, to Baylor really fe- reach their full potential. I know that you know Mac and his staff are hard at work to make sure everything's you know all the eyes are dotted and all the T's are crossed, but um, I, I'm just excited not not just for football but all sports because there's so many so many talented coaches so many talented student athletes in this program that that have championships ahead of them and I want them to reach all those goals and I know that I know at this university that's possible so really excited about it. 
Well, great to have you with us. We Thank appreciate you. your time. Thank you very much, and uh, keep doing what you're doing, and glad you're a part of Baylor football heading into this year. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thanks again to Sean Bell, Baylor's tight ends coach, for being with us. We look forward to football in the fall, whether it's September 5th or 6th or whenever that might be, and we appreciate Sean and his time today. For Brooke Bednars, I'm John Morris. Thanks for being with us on this week's Sikkim Podcast. We'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to the Sikkim Podcast, presented by your friend in the car business, Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat in Waco, online at alansamuelsdcj.com. The Sikkim Podcast has been a production of Baylor Athletics.